Welcome to the Creative South Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Frostholm. Today I talk with Nova Scotia, Canada-based designer and illustrator Liz Mack. We talk about performing fire arts when she was younger, leaving the arts to pursue being a pastry chef, coming back to the arts after a knee injury, D&D, modeling, guys with cameras, and more, all right after this. Skillshare is an online learning community for creators with more than 10,000 classes in design, photo, and more. Everyone can take a class, try a project, and even teach a class themselves. Premium membership begins at just $8 a month for unlimited access to learning. Plus, you can earn money by teaching on Skillshare, which means students have access to the most relevant, up-to-date creative skills. Students learn everything from design, to business, to photography, film, craft, culinary, music, writing, technology, and more from the world's best teachers. You can learn at your own pace and on the go with their free mobile apps on both Apple and Android devices. For busy people like you and me, Skillshare classes are designed to be bite-sized with short video lessons to fit your schedule. For example, I just wrapped up Draplin's lesson on making a family crest and have a lesson from DKNG queued up and ready to go. You can learn at your own pace and on the go with their free mobile apps on both Apple and Android devices. Plus, for a limited time, new Skillshare customers can get their first three months for just 99 cents to get unlimited access to thousands of classes when you sign up at Skillshare.com using promo code CREATIVESOUTH. What are you waiting for? Start learning today. Are you ready to explore your creativity and meet a ton of new friends while you're doing it? Then head over to CREATIVESOUTH.com right now and get your Creative South tickets. Join us April 6th through 9th in Columbus, Georgia for Creative South, where you come as friends and leave as family. If you like to podcast and want to help support us, head over to patreon.com slash creative south. Every dollar helps us cover hosting costs, upgrade equipment, and keep the podcast going. Plus, when you become a Creative South patron, you'll get access to exciting Creative South news before anyone else, Creative South podcast stickers and t-shirts, and you could even get your own podcast episode. So please, help support the podcast by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash South. So, um, Liz, welcome to the podcast. Oh, hi. I'm happy to be here. So, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? We kind of talked uh, off-air for a second, so give me the whole rundown. Uh, yeah, so most of my life I've spent in Atlantic Canada in a city called Halifax, or in its sister city, Dartmouth, mm-hmm. um, in Nova Scotia. Um, but I was born in England, and I was born in a place called Croydon, which is otherwise known as South London, because Croydon is... Kind of known as the stabbing capital of the UK, <laughs> or at least it was in the 80s. Just what you uh, want to be known as. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've actually, I've done some art around that as well. So I was born there. I lived there till I was about six. And the reason actually why I was born there, despite the fact that my family's Canadian, uh, it's because my dad was actually in a band in the eighties called cutting crew. Uh, and they were touring and writing albums and things in the UK. So if you're familiar with that song, I just died in your arms or anything like uh-huh. that. Uh, that was, that was my dad. So that's around the time that I was born, oh, cool. uh, that was coming out. So when we, when he quit the band, uh, we moved over to Canada and I've been here more or less ever since. Um, so yeah, uh, that's, that's where I'm coming from. <laughs> Awesome. Well, that explains the um, the little bit of research um, or Instagram stalking that I did. The yeah. um, picture of your dad dressed like he was from a 
1980s band. Which isn't, that, isn't that incredible? It's incredible. He's wearing, in this photograph, he's got, he's got like the blown out wall bangs mm-hmm. and a mullet uh, and, you know, the six day scruff smoking a cigarette in a, a green, like an aquamarine silk suit jacket mm-hmm. and a flouncy dress shirt and a bolo tie. Like, this is not the kind of man you would buy fried chicken from. No. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, like, it was pretty heinous, but I love it. I like to think I get a little bit of my, my fashion sense from him. <laughs> well, it, uh, at least you didn't stick with that decade. That was not the best. Yeah. That was not the best fashion decade. Maybe not. Maybe not. I'll, I'll keep the leather jackets, but I'll pass on everything else. Yeah, the flouncy shirt and the silk, yeah. uh, the silk yeah. and the low tie. Yeah. So, so you you end up in Nova Scotia. Um, were you kind of an arty kid growing up, or tomboy? Big or? time. No, I was. I was an arty kid. I mean. I moved around a lot. I kind of had a rocky childhood. It was a lot of ups and downs. My dad actually passed away when I was 14 and I was bumped around from my, my grandparents' place to my aunt and uncle's place. Like I was a little bit of a foster kid in that way. I didn't really spend a whole lot of time. I think I moved up until I was in my 20s. I think I moved uh, roughly once every year or two. So I was never really in the same school for that for that long. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I never really established myself as a kid as one particular thing. But overarching in my time alone. I spent a lot of time by myself. So I, I did a lot of drawing. I did a lot of writing sure. and a little bit of a weird loser kid. Like in one of the towns that I grew up in, in Nova Scotia is called Truro and a very small town, like very, it's all senior homes and churches. And if the kids that are, are there, all of them are white and all of them go to Bible camp. And I was the one with the dead dad living with her grandmother with turquoise hair, uh, <laughs> pink sunglasses, big wide bell bottom jeans and platform sneakers. Like I was the weird kid. So <laughs> I definitely have that aesthetic going for me. Um, so yeah, I was, I was always weird and always creative in that way. For a little while, I was actually into street performing. I was a fire arts performer. Uh, I used to make a little bit of money doing that. Well, how did, yeah. so, so let me ask about that. How do you discover that um, you want to do fire arts performances? Because It's like when you're a rambunctious 14-year-old and trips for you into the quote-unquote big city from Truro is going to, to Halifax, which is like the biggest city east of Montreal, which really isn't saying very much. <laughs> uh, there's a busker's festival there. And, you know, over like almost 15 years ago, uh, I went and I saw this particular group called Ash Circle who were fire performers. And I thought they were just the coolest. And I became very good friends with them and they mentored me. Um, and I'm still actually 15 years later, very good friends with them. Uh, and one of them is actually now uh, a web designer and <laughs> sends a lot of work my way. So funny how that works. <laughs> so, so they taught you how to set yourself on fire and not hurt yourself doing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they taught us. They were very respectful of it. You're, you're actually taught to treat fire as a living thing that it, it eats, it breathes and it mm-hmm. breeds and it's it's you respect it and you handle it uh, as if it were a living thing that you obviously have to handle very carefully. So uh, we were given very good training. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I'm kind of, I kind of miss it sometimes, but it was still scary. I burnt more than a few hairs. I was about to say, how many times did you lose your eyebrows? Uh, never lost eyebrows because I never did fire breathing or eating fire, but I did a little bit of contact fire. And what I did mostly was fire spinning or fire staff. Okay. So, yeah. what, and what, also, so what is like, fire spinning and fire staff? Well, like staff, fire staff is pretty self-explanatory. You just have a, a long stick and two ends with 
flames on them, sure. you kind of spin around, and you can sort of mimic martial arts and, and things like that. Um, you can also, handy tip, but don't tell the kids, Coffee Mate, like it's a powdered coffee yeah. whitener. Oh, yeah. It's extremely flammable, and it can make some really cool fireballs. Uh, so if you have a torch, you throw some of it, and it'll go, uh, it gets crowds in, so you do that. Um, and fire spinning would be like fire poi, which is a Polynesian art mm. where you have like chains with like a wick on the end that you light on fire. You have two of them, and you kind of do cool mm. moves. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to imagine yeah. what the difference between the two was, because like the fire staff, I could figure out as you get a staff, yeah. and both ends are on fire, and you spin it yeah. and I was like well how is that different than spinning so yeah this would be like two chains on your fingers sort of like yo-yos and you mm. spin them around your body I don't know yeah. that I'm coordinated enough to do that um <laughs> even without it being on fire I think I would just yeah. end up hurting myself with that well you start with socks like just little <laughs> balled up socks oh, okay. you do you do bean yourself so <laughs> so until you learn not to bean yourself you don't light anything yeah. on fire yeah Fair enough. I would A plus would recommend not starting with fire. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I wouldn't be proverbial and complete pun intended. Uh, trial by fire may not be a good mm-hmm. idea. So, so you you kind of are. I don't know if rebellious would be the term that I would use for it, but you're beating yeah, to, I, you're beating to your own drum. That's exactly what I was going to say as a teen. That's just what I was. Even when I was in high school, like, I didn't really have a click. You know, everybody was, they were a band kid or a goth or a punk mm. or grungy, like, whatever. I was on the outskirts of the outsiders. Sure. So I was in that, I was in that kid, like, that group that slotted all the kids in that didn't really fit anywhere. And I didn't really fit into that group. I kind of just skulked along behind them. I didn't do any extracurriculars. I didn't, you know, I naturally did well in school. So I didn't really, I just kind of walked in, did my assignments and left. Um, I know that feeling well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so just kind of doing my own thing. Okay. So when you get through school, do you end up going to university or do you? No, no, actually what happened was, uh, I, when I was in high school, I went to, uh, there's something called NASCAD here. So it's the Nova Scotia College of Art and Design. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the big art school here. I went to their portfolio review day and they took a look at my portfolio and it's not like they're not doing a formal assessment of your portfolio, but what they're doing is they're looking at your, your stuff and saying, well, no, this is really promising. You should come or, or not. Um, and they told me I wasn't good enough essentially. So mm-hmm. I was naturally at 17, I was crushed, (laughs) you know, I, my precious sketchbook. I used to, I used to even take notes in sketchbooks. Like when I did go to class as a way to not really have to do any work because I was bored, I would just (laughs) casually listen and just draw my notes. I would draw them and that's how I would study. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's why my, my sketchbooks were very precious to me and they did, they turned me away. So, um, I actually took a year off and kind of messed around for a year and, uh, then I went to college. I went to a community college where I studied boulanger and pastry arts. Okay. Uh, so f- actually for a while I fell out of the art scene completely, uh, up until about 2013, I was done. I, so, um, between 2005, five or six and 2013, I more or less just didn't 
have anything to do with the arts. I was still drawing all the time and I was still writing all the time. I actually wrote a couple of plays, but mm. it wasn't something I considered an ambition. Sure. Uh, yeah, it just, it wasn't fostered in me. So were you doing pastry and bakery stuff, baking stuff at that point, or were you doing something else? Uh, like I went to college and I got my, my certificate and that program actually got me a job straight out of my program. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was a pastry chef at a number of different places, but the longest stint was at a place called the World Trade and Convention Center, where I was doing a lot of large scale breakfast buffets, croissants muffins, whatever. And I had a lot of fun doing it. It was actually, I, I didn't, I knew I didn't want to get into student debt and I had enough money from my dad's royalties left over mm -hmm. that I had inherited after his passing to go to college, but not university. So I picked a degree that suited my creativity, but wasn't art school. So I wanted something that was going to be working with my hands, being creative and busy. And that turned into pastry arts. So I picked that as sort of a, a second best choice, but it's, <laughs> I did it. I did it for a while I did it for like six years or something. And I, I just didn't fall in love with it. I, I dropped it. And I actually went into retail management at a candy shop for a few years. Yeah. Which has got to be great for your teeth. <laughs> oh my goodness. As, as a pre-diabetic, it was dangerous. <laughs> like, oof. but yeah, it was, that was actually a really fun job. And they have that, that space was very creative. Um, if you ever visit Halifax, it's known, uh, it's called Freak Lunchbox, and there's an incredibly beautiful mural on the side of it. Mm -hmm. The owners are very artistic. They do all their own sign painting and everything. It was such a great environment. Sure. Yeah. So since I know you have had a somewhat interesting career and you do now you know, modeling and illustration, yep. let, let's start with the modeling portion and then move on to the really important stuff for a design podcast, the illustration. So how do you get, yeah. how do you, how and when do you get into modeling? Um, I've been modeling since I was 18. So I got into that because my sister was actually um, a big time burlesque performer in town. So she okay. was working with a lot of local photographers. She's a little bit older than I am, but six years older than I am. And she was so good at what she did that uh, her photographers were like, well, you know, I don't mind if you, if your little sister wants to come in and do a shoot, she doesn't have to pay. That's okay. Cause she had such a good rapport with these photographers. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the number one things about being a good model. And I guess about being a good artist in general, if you want to get work is, is being, don't be a dick. On, yeah. Don't be a, yeah. Don't be a dick and show up because models at least around here are notoriously flaky. They won't show up to calls or anything. Um, and so I just, for fun went in for a couple and then it just turned out that I always showed up on time and I worked well with a camera and I was just sort of naturally good at it. So my sister sort of faded out of that and I've carried on with it for the past 10 years. Um, so that's how I got into it was just sort of, I snuck in through a connection and then just was really reliable and consistent. And then word got out because it is a very small community here. Word got out that I was a, a good one, quote unquote. Um, <laughs> and people were reaching out to me to work with me and I, it's steadily grown from there. Now that's not to say I don't really make a whole lot of money off of this. It's not like I'm some sort of runway fashion model or whatever, but I've been in a few publications and, um, I've been published in a few books and stuff, so it's been fun. So you, you make enough money to keep it somewhat enjoyable. Yeah, and even when I don't make money, because sometimes you don't, uh, I 
am at a point now where I can be very choosy about who I work with. So I work with a very select number of photographers. Uh, Anyone else, they have to pay me. But for fun (laughs) projects, it's like, yeah, sure, I'll I'll do that for you because I know I'm always going to get a good image and it's going to be fun to do it. So you're not going to work out with the creepy guy from Craigslist who just has a camera? No, there's actually a term for them. It's called a GWC and it stands guy with camera. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I've had a few of those and I actually helped teach a modeling etiquette course Mm -hmm. through one of like, there's a a lighting workshop that I help teach where I'm one of the models for it. And I'll also go over modeling etiquette where we try and keep people from accidentally being a GWC because some people, they do it without even realizing it. It sucks. So, 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 so let me ask you this from the photographer standpoint, because I'm not a photographer, but I can, you know, take photography classes in college. And, mm-hmm. How does one, um, well, A, how does one get into photography and not be a GWC? Uh, like the classic thing of a GWC, like if you look at their portfolio, the first thing if someone approaches me is, if they want, if I want to shoot with them, uh, I will ask to see their portfolio and red flags for me of a GWC that go up. And I'm really sorry if any of you out there, um, are photographers and you hear this, but I will not work with you if you have one or, or any one of the following, um, a photograph of a cute girl on a stool wearing an oversized men's shirt. (laughs) Um, photograph of a woman lying on train tracks or a photograph of a woman with, uh, her heel caught in her thong strap. Uh, Uh and especially if any of these photos try to say that they like, if I go to your profile and you're like, I like to take empowering photos of women. I, I went to a profile once. Uh, looking at someone's portfolio and they were like, I like to take it because I shoot actually predominantly nude photography. Mm-hmm. I do some fashion stuff, but I do a lot of artistic nude. And so I roll my eyes as soon as I hear someone being like, oh, yeah, I, I only do empowering, whatever, because most people interpret artistic nude as just dominant, like dominatrix porn, essentially. So I went to one of these profiles and it like the first photo was a photo of a woman's face, not even her eyes being shoved into a dog bowl. <laughs> And I was like, no, that's a DWC moment. That's right? not empowering it's, someone. That's making someone a yeah, victim. Yeah, it, w- it was gross. So Yeah, so almost all of those, you like, described a former boss that I had who... DWC. And sometimes people don't realize that taking those kinds of photos, because you see a lot of them. So most people think starting out, they work with models. They're like, oh yeah, I saw this photo. It was really cool. I really want to do a really cute shot of a girl and a stool and an oversized white shirt. I think it'd be really sweet. Other models are going to go look at that and they're going to be like, no, you look like a GWC. (laughs) You just want to take pictures. You just want to take creepy pictures of girls to take their clothes off. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, That's big red flag. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I, I, so I worked at an agency. um, Oh, it's been probably almost 15 years ago now, but he referred to himself as a professional photographer. Oh, does that mean he had like a three hundred dollar camera? He got at Best Buy, and he thought he was. Oh no, he had really uh, nice equipment. Okay, but he knew how to do the basics with it. So everything looked—I mean, all of the lighting, everything—always looked like it was '80s studio photography, um, or like selective color. That's the worst. Mm-hmm. Lots of selective oh, color. Oh god. The selective color. Yeah, lots of that stuff. And then when he would take pictures of people, 
They either look like he was trying to start a porn studio, mm-hmm. um, or work at Owen Mills. Um, I don't know if you have Owen Mills in. No. It's like step above. It's the people who take the high school senior pictures that always look gotcha. really bad. And, you know, step above that Sears photography. Like, I was going to say Sears Portrait Studio. Yeah. 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 Step, step above that um, and barely a step above that. Right. So it's the kind of like the kind of place where they would say like, say fuzzy pickle when they go to take your photo. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just had flashbacks to being a kid. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so he would always take pictures like that and like any given day when we'd come, because I mean it was an ad agency and he just I don't know, he had some sort of midlife crisis post-divorce where he decided he was going to be a photographer too. Um, so right. any given day we were always worried that we'd walk through the front door at 8 o'clock in the morning and it would be damn near a porn shoot going on. Uh, right, right. <laughs> and it was always so creepy. So... So that's what I was curious about is, uh, would that qualify or? Mm. Yeah. 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 It might be a little bit of a GWC. <sighs> my, skin, <laughs> my skin's crawling in about seven different directions right now. So, <laughs> so do you, I mean, it sounds like you enjoy the modeling stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. I actually used to predominantly do modeling before, like I just used to do it a lot when I was in retail management, when I was in pastry, just sort of like a, as a creative outlet. Sure. Uh, but now it's taken a back burner. Cause like I said, you don't, you don't get paid every time. And a lot of it's just for fun. It's just become another, again, it's just another creative outlet for me. Mm-hmm. And what really makes me money is, is actually my creative work. Mm-hmm. Well, so let's talk about that. So, so if you're, you, you start modeling, you're 18, you go through being pastry chef and the retail management. Mm-hmm. At what point do you decide to start getting into creative work? Since, since you really don't have formal training for it because the, those people at the no. school were jerks. Um, yeah. So, so when do you decide to make the leap? Um, it's actually kind of a neat story because in 2013, summer 2013, I was in a really bad relationship, um, not a nice guy. And I basically sold everything I owned to move to Toronto. Mm-hmm. And like, and when I say everything, I mean, I literally sold everything. When I got on the plane to move to Toronto, I had uh, a carry on suitcase and one checked bag and my cat, um, my cat, who you might hear chirping in the background because she's trying to get my attention. Yeah, I was about to ask, is that your cat or is that my cat? <laughs> my cat. Just- no, she's. So Yeah, she's being fucking needy as hell right now. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so I moved to Toronto with to be with my sister, uh, who was living up there and just about to get married. And I was sleeping on her living room floor in this shitty basement apartment, which is everywhere in Toronto. Sounds um, And uh, while I was there... Within 10 days, I, I woke up one morning because my leg hurt. My knee was this incredible pain, my right knee. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I've always had knee problems. I didn't really worry about it too much. And I was traipsing up and like all over Toronto. And Toronto's a huge city. And mm-hmm. I was in my heels and I was in my getup. And I was trying to get a job and just ignoring the pain, ignoring the pain. And I eventually went to a pharmacist and I said, look, this is getting really bad. Like, what can you? So he gave me a painkiller for arthritis and I was taking it. And it really wasn't doing anything. And then a few days later, my, my leg, my entire leg had almost tripled in size. I couldn't put on pants anymore. Um, at that point, 
I was like, okay, I'm going to the hospital. So I went to the hospital and, you know, oh God, I love our free healthcare. Cause I went to the hospital. Uh, I got looked at, I had a giant like eight inch needle put in my knee. They like took out fluids. It was really horrible. I'm sorry guys. But, uh, four days later I was on an operating table with a double meniscus tear that left me bedridden for eight weeks because I couldn't walk. And suddenly I was left with, like, I didn't own anything. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a bed to recover in. I didn't have a job. I had sold everything I owned for like 400 bucks Mm -hmm. and was now left sleeping on my sister's living room floor. My sister had just been married. (laughs) With a bum leg. I couldn't walk. Um, so I suddenly would be like, what, what the fuck am I going to do for the next little while? And so my sister and her new husband moved into this new apartment and they gave me their spare bedroom. I spend all my savings on furnishing a bedroom for me to heal in. Mm -hmm. And they put me up very graciously. And suddenly I was left with all this time to do what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And that's when I said, man, I should just start drawing again. So before the, like just before the operation, I went out, I bought a bunch of art supplies. Uh, I got a new tablet. I bought a scanner off Amazon, had it shipped to me for, like the last little bit of my money. Uh, a bunch of friends for, felt really bad for me. So they sent me a whole bunch of art supplies and stuff too. Sure. And I just started teaching myself and eventually I lost everything and I decided to move back to my city, Halifax. Mm-hmm. And that's when I got a job as in retail management, which was paying me a very good salary and everything. And I, realized that what I loved the most was that time that I had a bum leg and I was stuck at home drawing all the time. And I was thinking, man, I really want to get back to that. So that horrible situation was actually the catalyst for my career. Uh, If that hadn't have happened, I'd probably still be in retail management or something. So I have a very unimportant follow-up question. How the hell do you get a double meniscus tear? I don't. I don't know. I completely baffled the doctors because a, a, a single meniscus tear is the kind of thing that's reserved for a professional rugby player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, you can see me, you can find my pictures on the internet. I'm like 40 pounds soaking wet. I don't <laughs> like, I get winded walking across the street. And you've just like, pissed <laughs> off women everywhere. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry guys. Uh, it's the you starving and your artist. Da- you and your damn good genetics. <laughs> ah, damn. Uh, so yeah, like I don't do any sports at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't know. It was, it was a sign from God. If you want, if you want to go that way, I don't know. Um, it just happened and it happened in my sleep and it wasn't even like I fell out of bed cause I was sleeping on a floor. So you tell me, buddy, I don't, yeah, I don't know. And I still don't know. And I never will know, but yeah. <laughs> thank God it happened. So yeah, so so you're bedridden and getting back into drawing and teaching yourself stuff. What what are you doing yeah. to kind of learn? Uh, at that point, I didn't really know anything. I didn't even know where to look. I didn't even know what jargon to Google uh, <laughs> in order to find out. Uh, if I was it makes really you feel starting... any better. I'm 20 years into my career and I still barely know what jargon to Google to figure stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I did was I just kind of went for it. I didn't even know what layers were in Photoshop. Mm. I was trying to do everything in one layer. Like this is how base I was. I was below step one. So what I was doing is I had some pencils and I had some cardstock and I would draw on the cardstock and I was just trying to figure out how to scan. I didn't know how to scan something in high resolution. I didn't know what that meant. 
so I was asking re- a lot of really dumb questions to friends. Um, I couldn't figure out how to scan things in color. I couldn't, I didn't know how to do anything. And then it was learning how to open up a file in Photoshop. Then it was learning like literally everything step by step. And I just started making art. Uh, and it was bogus art. It was really shitty art. It was fantastically bad art, but I was putting it out there and I was putting it just on my Facebook, just for my friends to look at, just mm-hmm. saying, look, I'm in bed, but this is what I'm doing. Uh, make, trying to make the best of it. And they really enjoyed it. Well, the plus side is everybody starts out making really shitty art. And it's, oh, it, it's yeah. those of us who can move past that stage or, yeah. or persevere through through that stage um, and not give up that end up with these wonderfully frustrating careers. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and But I mean, the nice thing about that, too, is when you're that new with anything, especially if you're excited about it, everything is so exciting. Mm-hmm. Like, I could not tell you how thrilling it was when I discovered that you could lower the opacity on a brush. <laughs> like that was it was like a whole like oh my god uh, learning keyboard shortcuts man you know it was like i felt like i was made of magic when i figured that out sure uh now now it's old hat and i, I do that stuff all the time mm-hmm. so it's not as exciting now it's just the satisfaction of actually being able to do stuff in less than three days um because it, it would take me forever just to drop fucking smiley face um <laughs> But yeah, like it was, it was so, it was such a thrilling part of everything. Everything was new, like being a kid again. Mm. So, you know, so you get past that point, you're, Mm -hmm. are you still doing, you know, once you've healed up and you've moved back to Nova Scotia and you're, excuse me, um, you're kind of doing the retail management thing. When do you, when do you finally get into not having to do the retail and um yeah making a full go of it yeah so that's like a, a combination of things because when i came back i still wasn't very good with photoshop i was like just barely grasping the the basics of just opening it essentially so i was still doing a lot of manual illustration at the time which meant that when i moved back to halifax and i was doing retail management um, I was spending a lot of time at a local pub called the Fickle Frog, mm-hmm. which is a great place around here That's a great to just name. go frog. Oh yeah, it's good. Cheap, like three dollar pizza, like huge, like quarter pizza. Oh, it's great. I go there all the time. They know me by name there. Um, <laughs> so I was going there a lot, and around that same time, um, there was friends that I knew there, but I wasn't very close to. And for some reason, when I moved back, I suddenly became close with them, and they all happened to be artists. Mm-hmm. And I think that they were just seeing me post on Facebook all this drawing stuff. I don't think they realized that I liked to draw. These were casual acquaintances. And suddenly when I came back, they were cropping up in my life. Um, and we have a really good artist community here. Sure. Uh, so like my buddy Dave is a manager of a comic book shop. Um, my friend Allison is a designer. We actually help. She runs and I help run an, orga- an organization she has called the E3C, which is like a creative meetup. Um, so I was getting very close with them. Uh, we also have like some bigger names around town. So like Kate Leth and comics or James White, a designer. Um, like we have tons of great, like creative talent here and they're all friends of mine and we all just, we're just hanging out all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got really close to all of them and we were just drawing all the time. Uh, so that was just getting involved in that community 
made me feel like I was actually a part of it, sure. uh, where I wasn't before. And I was like, Oh, this is really great. This feels awesome. This feels awesome. And so I just started drawing a lot with them and they were all very encouraging, especially, uh, Jim and Allison and Dave who were like my three closest artsy friends. Um, just like trying to encourage me to get into doing shows and stuff. Um, and so last year, uh, to shorten that up, I did my first selling show ever at a, at a, a little event here called decaf, which is the Dartmouth comic arts festival. Okay. And I split a half table with my buddy Dave and I just sold crap. Like, and it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. And around that same time was when I went to weapons of mass creation, which was my first creative conference. Mm-hmm. And that event, like selling out decaf and going to weapons of mass creation within the same week of each other was far and away two of the best things that I could have ever done. Because not only did I go to a creative conference, despite the fact that I didn't know what anyone was talking about, because I still didn't know, I never had a client. I never, I didn't know what an Adobe was. What's what's typography? Like I didn't know jack shit still. I was still mostly doing hand-drawn illustration, even as early as last year. Uh, So yeah, like going and selling, selling at decaf, and seeing people actually engaged in conversation with me and being interested in my art and saying really great things like, oh, you're doing such a great job. And going to this event uh, where these were my people, like suddenly it was it was like an awakening and just the crazy energy and mm. the positivity and just I wanted to be part of this. And so I got home and just decided it, this was in August of last year. I said, at some point I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to do this. And I wasn't even thinking of it as a freelance thing. I just wanted to take the time to learn again. I was like, I want to go back to that time. Like when I had a bum leg and I just <laughs> sat at home through all the time and I want to learn, 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 learn. And so I got my first client almost right out of the gate. I worked really fucking hard for about three months, saved up every penny, had a tiny amount of savings. And I just said, screw this. And I bailed out and I've been freelancing ever since. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was a plan to only, you know, quote unquote freelance for the winter is, is still going on today. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it was so good. Best decisions. Yeah. So yeah. you know, you touched on a couple of things I wanted to ask you about. There was the EC3. Um, tell yeah. me, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So the E3C stands for the East Coast Creative Collective, uh-huh. and what we do is is we have one. Excuse me. We have one monthly meetup first or second Tuesday of every month at mm-hmm. the same bar called the Foggy Goggle in downtown Halifax. And it's a creative meetup for specifically visual artists. We accept anyone like writers, coders, knitters, painters, whatever. But our primary focus are designers, web designers, illustrators, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Sculptors, whatever. Um, and it's not so much a networking event as it is a uh, mingling event because we find that even though our community is very small, it's very secular. Sure. So designers hang out with designers, animators are in their basements with animators and coders or wherever. And so this is an opportunity for an exchange of ideas so uh, to get the, are the in their mom's together. Basement. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> I think, I think in, a, in a way, we're all kind of in our mom's basements. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is just a really good opportunity once a month for us to get together. And there's opportunities because we accept people from, you know, very experienced people to people who are just starting out to hobbyists, to people who are maybe like me, who are just getting the freelance scene. So mm-hmm. all ages, all walks of life, as long as you're a visual artist, 
you can come out, it's two bucks, 19 plus, have a nice time, uh, and meet people in your field that otherwise you might never speak to. And it's, you know, you exchange ideas and there's opportunities for mentorship and that kind of thing. We have theme nights too. So one night is, uh, bring out all of your favorite art books. Mm -hmm. So if you have an artist that you follow, you can bring a book down and show it to people. Or there was another night where we had, um, a woman who specialized in doing taxes for freelancers. So she would come in and answer all of your stupid tax questions and that kind of thing. (laughs) So that's really good. And we also do, um, a biannual Behance portfolio review night. So mm-hmm. we are in association with Behance and, and we have a big event where students or whoever can come in and have their portfolio reviewed by local professionals in their field. And we have a charity drive and we have a summer gala. Like it's a really good, it's growing. We're in our fourth year and it's just, like I said, it's a really good opportunity for our community to start bonding. Sure. So you also mentioned the comic book convention, and I want to talk to you about that because, again, in the stalking you online for a brief moment this afternoon, I noticed you had done, um, it looked like a small run comic um, of kind of your own. It was a zine. Oh, it was yeah, a zine? It was a, okay. It was a zine, I guess, or some people said it was too fancy to be a zine because it was on like glossy paper and full color and everything it was like a 24 page four full color booklet. Um, and it's called release me the ladies of sci-fi. And it was, or it is, uh, just an assemblage of illustrated ladies. Um, in the style, I guess, of Bruce Tim. When you phrase it like that, it more sounds like the uh, carnival sideshow where the ladies oh, had yeah. all the tattoos. <laughs> Oh yeah. I mean, no wrong with that, but uh, it's like, it's like ladies in space helmets and aliens and robots and whatever. But my more, my more cartoony illustrative style, I guess is sort of in the, in the realm of Bruce, Tim Mm -hmm. being a nineties, like being a kid in the nineties. I was watching a lot of Batman animated series and stuff. And that's that visual style has really stuck with me. So when I do do more cartoony stuff, I'm not really into comics more. So just straight illustration. That is sort of what I pick up on. Uh, so given that I didn't have a whole lot of comic stuff to sell, um, in order to appeal to the crowd, I threw this zine together to have there and it did really well. Awesome. So, you know, that brings me to something that you mentioned before we hopped on the mic is you told me you were running late because um, you were in the middle of a D&D campaign. Oh, playing D&D! <laughs> <laughs> yeah! D&D is awesome. So, and, and, you know, you mentioned you screwed up your knee through non-sporting events, just sleeping. So, obviously, you have the, um, the complete nerd girl, um, or just, and I don't mean that in the derogatory sense, um, thing down pat. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, I would believe me. I played D and D as a kid. I don't now because I just. Well, I just don't. Guys, it's the best. If you're not playing D and D, start. It's it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I play a halfling bard. Uh, her name is Galora. Uh, she's modeled after Roxana Troy from Star Trek TNG. Um, so very bombastic, very, very full of herself. Uh-huh. Uh, she's fantastic tonight. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to go too far into this cause you know, whatever, but tonight <laughs> I actually managed to walk into, um, a gambling hall at a swanky hotel and I swindled the crowd 
I told the crowd that I was the world's best loot player <laughs> and I swindled them out of 217 gold. So I'm just saying. So you got their loot by pretending yeah. to be able to play the loot. Actually, well, I actually happen to be a very good performer, uh-huh. but I put on a costume so that if I got found out for uh, conning people, because I had a rogue buddy who went around and actually pickpocketed everyone while I was distracting them. So we got another 200 gold on top of that. <laughs> Fucking baller, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I'm, guys, I'm such a loser. <laughs> well, um, so so I wanted to touch on that for a specific reason. Because the first thing that we brought up in your professional career, you know, was the modeling. So, you know, I realize this is an audio format and people can't see you. But when you mention that, there's obviously a visual aesthetic and a standard that people are automatically going to put in your head. And, I guess, and, yeah. You know, realizing that someone has depth beyond that, I think is important. And, you know, yeah, looks are, you know, something to be said, because everybody gets an initial attraction to somebody, generally based on the way that they look, but... Yeah. And then you find out that they're a fucking nerd. <laughs> yeah. Or, People are complicated, okay? People are very complicated. Or you find uh, out just the opposite, that they're a shallow asshole, which is horrible. And <laughs> Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, thankfully right. you're not. Or at least from the, you know, 45 minutes that we've been chatting, you don't seem like it. You could oh, be, you oh know, I thought we were still playing since, D&D. I thought I was still in character. Well, this has all been made up, right? Yeah, I mean, right? you, you, could roll, right? you could roll the 20-sided die and, you know, be yeah. making that up. So... <laughs> So, I mean, I have, like, plus six dexterity. I've been rolling straight 20s all night. Like, nice. we're good. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have not been lying to you. <laughs> so, being a girl in the nerdy D&D world, do you, I don't know, for lack of a better term, do you get haters from that? Do you no, have to deal with a bunch my, of is, idiot bullshit? No, um, I'm actually playing with an all-girl team. Oh, even better. And... Yeah, so there's five of us, potentially six of us. There's one that might be joining our party. Uh, and yeah, all of us are women, and we're all playing, and we're all having a great time. And so far, everyone that I've told thinks is great. And I think that just comes along with um, just today's culture of women being included. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a huge push, especially in the comics industry, for more inclusive stories or, or for more female-led characters or, or more female-led movies and stuff that people just, I don't know, I just haven't had any haters. It could also be that I don't talk a lot on social media about how I play D&D. Not out of, to- like, I totally would if people want to talk D&D. Like if you I mean, it's me not generally on- one of those things that, you know, cool. when you're talking about uh, art comes up in a just general conversation. So. Ex- exactly, yeah. I mean, you know, hit me up on Twitter about some D&D. I'll chat with you. But uh, yeah, so that sort of keeps me away from the the online Twitter haters, like the trolls and stuff. Me like, you're not a real geek girl. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't get any of that. Uh, I also have a very small following, so that might change if I <laughs> get bigger. I don't know. So far, nah, it's been great. It's been gravy. That's awesome. Because so, and, and part of the reason I asked that is I was at WMC... By the time this goes up, it will be a couple months ago. But, um, yeah. what was it, a week and a half, two weeks ago now? Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the presenters, um, Jillian Adele, was on stage. And, and she's a talented illustrator and designer. Um, but she also 
does pole dancing as a hobby. And Oh, I took pole dancing once. It's really fun. Yeah, but I think for her, it's more of a hobby. It's more than just a hobby. It's Right. It's another so artistic... For some people, it's their life. Yeah. Yeah, it's another artistic expression. It's a good way to exercise because... It's good for your core. It's yeah, really good for yeah. you. Um, but so she and I actually caught a cab from the airport into town, into Cleveland. And while we're in the cab, somebody she's never met before, she's not a follower of hers on Instagram or anything, just started sending her nasty, sexist, bullshit tweets for no reason. Oh, oh, oh no. Did they even see her at WMC? No, no. I don't even think they were a designer. What? They were just some random, uh, random internet troll who... They're the worst. But... Yeah, she was making fun of it at the time, but I don't know something about it. I could tell that it got under her skin too. Yeah, it, it happens. I mean, handling it just sort of becomes part, unfortunately, becomes part of being a woman because you can't really. If you get upset about it, then you're a bitch. You know what I mean? Like, you just kind of have to take it in stride and be no, the bigger person. But I don't think that makes you a bitch. Yeah. I think that makes you a person. I mean, it's, yeah. But if she were to respond that way, oh yeah, it would only incite more fighting you know what i mean so yeah uh, being on a woman being a woman on the internet is a is a shitty deal i'm sorry i'm swearing so much oh, oh no, i swear fine. okay okay <laughs> all right we're good get them all out <laughs> so um I, joe all right <laughs> sorry no I was, I was gonna say i just a i don't under i mean i get that you know people on the internet hide behind anonymity and these are things that they would never say to your face Hopefully, mm-hmm. for the most part. But being a guy, I, you know, it's going to sound horrible. Thankfully, I don't have to deal with that. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that there's never a situation where that couldn't happen, but for the most part, yeah. you know. It's not standard. Yeah. For the most part, girls don't feel the need to uh, attack guys um, for absolutely no reason out of the Um yeah. So I was just wondering, you know, kind of tying all that stuff back into, you know, you're you're following the nerd girl pursuits um and again i don't say that in a derogatory sense like that actually makes me very happy um (laughs) you know you're doing illustration but you also model you know balancing all of that stuff you know and putting yourself out there publicly not just presenting any form of thing that artistic expression part of it comes from your heart and your soul yeah, you know, I was wondering if you know dealing with haters you had, or if you had to deal with haters. Uh, yeah, no, I've been good so far. But like I said, I don't even have a thousand Instagram followers. Like I'm still small time. Neither so yeah, uh, the time may come. I mean, I get creeps. I get creeps, but I don't get any haters. Okay, well, creeps are almost as bad. Yeah, creeps are. Creeps are almost worse. Yeah, I'm not even trying to get anything out of you. It's just cheap shots. <laughs> it's the internet version of guy with camera. Yeah, nice. But, oh, okay, great. Go home. Thanks. Um, do I yeah. know you? Because that you know, if I don't know you, that's not a compliment. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. <laughs> even if I know you, it's still not a compliment. Just, no, okay. unless it's your significant other. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> then. You know. Or my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Your butt's on point today. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I think the correct term these days is on fleek. Yeah, I refuse to say it. 
I um, can't. The, the listeners can't can't hear, but I'm doing air quotes again. Yes, on that one. Um, I'm I'm glad to see that you are also bothered by that one. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to me. Though I did watch, I did listen to another podcast that now I can't remember what, it, what podcast it was, but they talked about how fleek is an actual word from like the um, 18th century that huh. pretty much okay. is means how they're using it now. So I wish that one had stayed dead, uh, dead, uh, 150, 200 years ago. Yeah, whatever. Those crazy kids. <laughs> yep. So, uh, so, you know, we're getting kind of close to our time here. Um, what cool do you have that you're working on that you, uh, can talk about or want to talk uh, about? Let's see. Aside from your uh, D&D campaign. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I really just want to talk about my proficiencies um let's see by the time this podcast comes out my first major publication will actually have been released um still like i'm still pretty new at all of this so i haven't really so be like oh yeah i totally did some crazy cool shit for like levi's <laughs> i don't i don't know nah, there's um, that canadian accent <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so my first big publication will be coming out in the next month or so. So I did um, an illustration of William Shatner for Canadian Geographic magazine uh, in which they're doing an interview with him about a region in Montreal called Lac Long, which is apparently where William Shatner as a child spent a lot of his summers. So that will be... I may or may not have already known that. What's that? (laughs) I said I may or may not have already known that. (laughs) Oh, really? Oh, man. Who are you talking to? I'm I'm well aware that I'm a nerd. Okay. I am not, I've never been ashamed of it. Okay, awesome. Uh, so I, I did an illustration for that. Um, let me see. Most of the stuff I'm doing is, is regionally, like locally based. So it wouldn't mean anything to you guys. I'm, I'm spe- being a special guest at an event coming up this November called the Winter Geekwinox, which is going to be really fun. It's my first time being a special guest to something. Well, that's just uh, a great name. Working. What's that? <laughs> that's just a great name. Oh, right. Geekwinox is awesome. Uh, I'm currently working on a really cool David Bowie commission. Uh, I'm a big fan of David Bowie. He's very close to my heart. And uh, anybody who wants to pay me to paint David Bowie, hit me up. Uh, so that's that's my newest cool thing that I'm working on right now. Um, yeah. I feel like I just came out of a flurry of a whole bunch of stuff. I don't know. Freelancing, I feel like I'm busy all the time, but I don't know what it is that I'm doing. So then people, <laughs> people will ask me, like, so what do you want up to? And I'll go, uh... Like, I'm, I know I'm doing something. I'm getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning every day, five days a week, to get shit done. And then people ask me, and I'm just like, <laughs> uh, Yeah, actually, I guess I'm still freelancing, but I, uh, a cool little piece of news is that I actually just landed my first job in my field. So I will be starting as a design consultant next week. Awesome. Um, yeah, so... Well, congratulations you, on that. Thank you. You, too, can not go to school and still get a job that you want so there you go go to school <laughs> so, <laughs> I, feel, I feel like the worst i keep thinking like people are like would you ever do talks at schools and like talk to high school kids about your job i'm like i don't know if you want me to go because i'm just gonna tell them to drop out like <laughs> save your money yeah, i mean there's good you things about education too I know there are. It's a great place to go and get connections and get a strong foothold in the community and all that. But most of it's bullshit. Especially student English. 
Yeah, that's see, that's the big thing. If they actually talk to you about the art of business and business being a business person, person in the arts, like mm-hmm. our schools don't have that here. They don't have uh, it in the states they either. Go for it. Yeah, it, I would say absolutely go for it. But they don't teach you shit. Like no one learns about taxes. No one learns about building a portfolio that's actually useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever. Anyway, that's a whole other podcast. Um, <laughs> it definitely is. And I would, yeah. <laughs> I would love to have you back on and we can discuss that. <laughs> I was literally just talking about that with somebody the other day. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. So kind of wrapping up, um, where can we find you online? So you can find me on anything that goes by Liz MacDraws. So Instagram, Twitter, Gmail, my website, Liz MacDraws, LizMacDraws.com, Liz MacDraws at Gmail. It's all me. Um, so yeah, nice and easy to remember. Awesome. I'm most, I'm most active on Instagram. If you want to follow, like I do a lot of process shots. Uh, I found that very helpful for me when I was teaching myself to look up artists and kind of reverse engineer their process through looking at how they did things on Instagram. So I, I like to do a lot of that as sort of giving back. Mm-hmm. Um, cause now I have people following me who are now learning from my process. Uh, so if you're interested in that kind of thing, that's what I post a lot of. It's not a selfie account. There is the occasional selfie. Um, sorry, but I try to keep it to a minimum and no food pictures. I promise it's prime material. Um, what if you're illustrating, food? what if you're illustrating food? Oh, that's fine. Okay. That's fine. But, I mean, I don't really draw a lot of that. I mean, if I did do that, that's it would be like super <laughs> and it would be really good. So you would want to look at it, right? Exactly. It would be the best. Yeah. Be the best. So, yeah. so humble. <laughs> oh, <my Instagram. laughs> I really want more Instagram followers because I'm shallow as fuck. Not really. Um, follow <laughs> if you want to. I don't give a fuck what you do. Uh, but I would love it if you did and I will follow you back and, it will be great, and we can all be friends. Liz Mac draws. So I have one last question that is completely not related to anything. What the hell is up with Canada's time zones? Because you got Newfoundland that's like got a weird half hour one. You're two hours or you're an hour off Eastern time. It's very confusing to us Americans. We're not very smart down here. (laughs) All right. So I'm on that little province on the far east of Canada that looks like a lobster. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's why, like, we're further than your furthest point east, which is why we're an extra hour away from you. And then Newfoundland what is the this weird anomaly. <laughs> I mean, it's perfect because Newfoundland is crazy weird anyway. It's awesome. If, you, have you, if you've ever been. Uh, I, I have not, but I had a friend in college who was from there. Um, yeah, they're amazing. Was, she was a character. They're, they're crazy. I yeah. love them. They're fantastic. I can't understand a damn word they're saying, but you know they're having a good time. They're always being nice to you. Uh, unless you hear Lar Tundran, then you're in trouble. Lar <laughs> Tundran, it's like, oof. Um, but yeah, they're like a, a smidgen further, and I, could, I don't even truly understand it, but that means that they're an extra half hour. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, their particular latitude makes them a half hour off. Right. Uh, I think they yeah. just made it up. You know what? They might have. I think they've been drinking a lot of screech and they oh just God. need to take a nap. They need to take a half hour nap to catch up. All right. Well, now I got another <laughs> follow up question that I actually know the answer to, but you're going to have to explain screech for people. <laughs> um, I myself have never had screech, but as far as I know, screech is the equivalent of drinking liquid fire. Uh, it's repulsive. It's pure alcohol. <laughs> 
Um, I think it's like when you get screeched, you have to kiss a fish. Like you get okay, screeched I've, in. I've, oh, God, yeah, I forgot about that. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a ceremony in Newfoundland. If you want to be an official Newfoundlander, uh, you get screeched in where you kiss a cod and you drink screech. And yeah. Right. yeah. We, we also have a dumb little ceremony that no one actually does. There's like you wear a sou'wester and you pour a thing of rum out and you say a thing. I don't know. See, it's, I, I, it's I'm opposed everywhere. to that just because you're pouring the rum. I know you're supposed to drink some of it too. I think you're supposed to like give some to the sea. I don't know. <laughs> For maritimers, all we do is drink and fish, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, that's a good yeah. place to end it. So um, we end every podcast by saying, go out and hug some mechs. Um, and since you've been to Creative South, um, that was the best, by the way. I just want to throw that in before we close off. I was like, I'm so going to talk all about Creative South. Creative South was awesome. And I'm totally hoping of going again next year. You better. You guys are the best. Well, I actually crowdfunded to go this year and it was fantastic. I, so, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, what do I need to say? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> just say go out and hug some necks. Go out and hug some necks. Liz Mack, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to join me from a uh, two-hour difference uh, in time. All good. I, I'm so glad to be here. Find out more about Liz on Twitter at Liz MacDraws, and be sure to check out the links in the show notes for more ways to keep up with her. You can keep up with the podcast on Twitter and Facebook at Creative SO Pod, and follow Creative South on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Creative South GA, or over at CreativeSouth.com. And I'm at Jay Frostholm on Dribble, Twitter, and Instagram. For a limited time, new Skillshare customers can get their first three months for just 99 cents to get unlimited access to thousands of classes when you sign up at Skillshare.com using promo code Creative South. What are you waiting for? Start learning today. Don't forget to head over to creativesouthga.com right now to pick up your tickets for Creative South in April of 2017. We're looking forward to seeing you there and hugging some necks. And remember, if you like the show, help support us over at patreon.com slash creativesouth. And if you like the Creative South podcast, head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play Music. Rate us and leave a review. This helps more people find the podcast and allows us to keep getting awesome guests. Now go out and hug some necks.